Sylvia Wong, and I am the Digital Marketing Manager here at Envision. Today, you are joining us for a conversation about AdWorld Conference. So I have a bunch of my team members here, and I can't wait to introduce you to all of them. And we're going to talk about what we liked about it, if it's worth attending, and just recap everything that we loved about AdWorld Conference. So welcome, team. Okay, the person I have popped up is Marino. So Marino, can you give us an introduction? For sure, my name is Marino. I'm an email marketing specialist at Envision. And at Envision, I take care of our clients' needs regards to email, helping them to creating email marketing strategies that engage people. Thanks, Marino. Okay, next up, let's have Brian do an intro. Hey guys, uh, I, I'm Brian Jones. I'm the paid digital advertising specialist here at Envision. Uh, so I, what that means is I manage all the Facebook, Google advertising campaigns. I uh, also support the team with, you know, analytics and Google Tag Manager and, you know, all those tools that we use here. Awesome. Let's throw it to Michael next. Hello, uh, my name is Michael. I am the digital content producer here at Envision. Uh, I focus mainly on doing video production uh, and photography for our own digital marketing and for our clients. Hey, Michael. Okay, let's throw it to Daniel. Hello, I'm Daniel Vescio. I'm the SEO specialist here at Envision. So I look after um, your keywords, your SEO, um, also your blogs. So uh, yeah, I work with our content Steve, so deal with SEO. I'm here. Welcome, Daniel. And lastly, we have Bowie here too. Bowie, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm the social media marketing specialist here on the team. I've worked with B2B, I've worked in local, I've worked in government, and most of my job right now is really focusing on building good connections between an audience and a brand. Welcome, Bowie. So I'm so excited to have the whole team um, participating and kind of giving their individual perspectives on things. So today we're talking about AdWorld Conference, which we all attended last week. And I think it was the perfect conference for us as a team to attend just because there were all of these different streams. So to kind of break it down, once we got into AdWorld, like this was, I think, an in-person conference before, and it's gone completely online just because of COVID, as have all uh, virtual or all conference type events. Um, but the reason we all attended was just because there were streams for all of us. So there was, you know, the advertising stream. There was something that was a little bit more content marketing. Um, so that really applied to, you know, our SEO team, our digital content producers, our social media. Um, there was the paid stream, the um, what was it? The affiliate marketing. And then there was also a lot about agencies. So I found it to be really a great one for all of us to attend and discuss afterwards. Um, does anyone want to chime in and talk about their personal experience in any one of the streams? Uh, I guess I can start it off, uh, to warm everyone up to the whole video vibes. Um, but, uh, I found it particularly interesting because there are a lot of there are some streams that kind of touch on all of our roles and you know my focus is is mostly just like ROI and and, and obviously just paid advertising core themes but you know there were streams about you know how to have better video ads how to like analyze your data better and they're not things that I focus on every day but to have someone who is an expert in that super niche area talk about those things, it really uh, opened my eyes to up to like all the different alternatives and you know just best practices. And there's just so many learnings that I don't even know where to begin. I think um, it kind of helped us in the sense that because there were so many streams that had a little bit of overlap between people, there was this sense of us thinking about our other team members and not siloing ourselves from each other, right? And saying like, oh, Michael, like you might want to watch this because it was like relevant to you as well or vice versa. Um, I was chatting with Daniel about something and it was at the last conference that we actually attended. Um, we did some other like SEO conference together that was completely virtual as well. And we were just chatting on Slack and I said to Daniel, it's so funny attending a virtual conference because really the essence of going to a conference was about 
hanging out with your coworkers, leaving the office for a day, networking. And at that last one, I don't think we got the vibe of that. Like it felt very like we were just like on our computers for the day and we were just watching videos. Um, Daniel or anyone else, do you want to share how you felt about this as a virtual conference? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like I agree with you. Like uh, before, like attending other uh, conferences in person. Yes, like I'm, I'm a very, I'm a very people person as well. So when I yeah, meet someone face to face, it's a totally different experience of like networking, right? Yeah. Um, but yes, like I felt like I was just like just siloed in my laptop and just us communicating through uh, Slack of like, yes, hey, you should check out this, uh, check out this video, check out this uh, stage, stage two, stage three, you know, so we're just talking amongst each other. So yes, I did miss that part. And also like sometimes they give like free food and like swag and stuff I like know. that when you're there too. So I kind of missed out on that. But <laughs> other than that, yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, I I really miss that part of it, but I, I still feel like just the different streams of it, we had this chance to, you know, have common ground and chat a little bit this time. Um, anyone else have that kind of experience this time around? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I actually got to experience this conference a couple of years back in person. Yeah. So I, I, I so I, I've seen the difference in live versus uh, versus uh, over the web, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, the the big thing is you're missing that that human element. Uh, I think a lot of uh, a lot of the conference, especially this one, if you go to it in person, you see how many different vendors and stuff there are, and uh, you end up engaging with things that you might not have known that you would be interested in, mm -hmm. uh, just because there's somebody literally saying, "Hey, check out this thing," whether that be like a freebie or whatever. You end up learning a, a whole bunch of new stuff, which is super valuable. Mm -hmm. um, however, I did really like the aspect of since it was all online and we didn't need to worry about getting to a specific part of an event center or an event center um, that, for example, uh, Marino sent me sent me a really cool um, a really cool conversation that I got to watch. There were tons of uh, conversation in the chat about, hey, you'd, you'd love to see this this conversation. So I think that was a really valuable thing that's unique to an online conference. But yeah, I do miss main, mainly the swag. I miss the swag. <laughs> Did anyone get anything good for free? Anyone? I think there was like a little marketplace tab and you can try out some like free trials and stuff like that. I just ordered yeah. my free TikTok t-shirt, so. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I, I tried to get the TikTok swag and I like set up my TikTok business profile for Envision, got it all going, just nothing. I think I missed the boat on that one. Yeah, well, I would share my t-shirt with you, but I don't think we were the same size. Um, <laughs> so I want to go do a roundtable. I want to know everyone's favorite talk, like something that added a lot of value for them or kind of opened their mind up to something. Um, anyone want to share? Yes, maybe I can start. I really like the presentation, The Wheel of Persuasion, yeah. uh, conducted by Alex Alexandra Catone. It was really good from the perspective how to compose a, uh, a, good, a good copy that conveys what you intend mm -hmm. and at the same time create a good level of engagement. She walks through six steps, if I'm not wrong. It's a really, really interesting approach how to develop uh, and create a good uh, co content. Yeah. Are you going to add some of that to your uh, your own frameworks? Definitely, definitely. I need I know to. You're, yeah. Yeah, you're great with frameworks already. So like adding to that one would be great. Um, yes. That's awesome. Uh, anyone else have any highlighted talks that they really enjoyed? Miriam and Tessa put together a talk on um, a strategy for brand purpose. That was really oh, fantastic. Yeah. They really spoke about having a more holistic approach to your brand and why that has value because it's how both your audience might experience that as well as internally in the company. It really has to be more than just words on a piece of paper for the marketing department. Yeah, I think that's like a really big conversation you and I, Bowie, have been having frequently now with our you know, our whole team, with George and with our clients, like that understanding of you know, what, what a brand is really about without it being like, you know, hollow promises, just your very typical core values and more depth than that. So great. I can't wait to hear more about that. Okay. Who else wants to share their favorite talks? Uh, I can uh, go next. 
Uh, I watch a good, a great talk by a guy named uh, Travis Chambers, and he uh, his talk was all around um, different types of ad types that work yeah. for e-commerce businesses. And uh, one thing that I've been trying to grow my chops in is, you know, just Shopify advertising and e-commerce, and right. uh, specifically in the on the video side of things. Uh, uh, everyone at the company knows that I'm always trying to push video, but uh, um, it's just, you know, we do a lot of uh, Google advertising and our search uh, ads are phenomenal, but uh, like sort of making our Facebook campaigns more creative and, and move away from just like sponsored ad images or like gifts, you know, and just try to be more creative and there, there's so many things you can do and it's just nice to hear from an expert that you know, says he spent like a hundred million dollars in ad spend. You know, we're getting there, but we're we're not quite there yet. So I don't have that level of insight. Yeah. Uh, and it was really nice to see that. Yeah, I think the pieces are starting to fall in place here too, with like Michael and his talent with video editing. And Brian, you're you're feeling that and wanting to get a little piece of it. <laughs> Who else wants to share about their favorite talks over the last uh, three day conference? Oh. I enjoyed like most of them, to yeah. be honest with you, because I felt like I picked up something from each talk that I, I went to and listened to. So like uh, it was a great refresher. And also like because there's so many updates like with Google and algorithm updates, I'm like what to look out for and, you know, different ways of driving organic traffic in and um, just, you know, they're really focusing on like user experience and the journey through um, the website. So understanding your users how they you know go through the through the pages and how they really uh, interact with your website um, and also like you know just it's not just about like keywords right like a lot of people just think it's all about keywords with SEO and there's a lot more to that to you know gain your domain authority or there's a lot of like link building or internal linking so I felt like I picked up something off each person of like to you know just to not really changed my strategy but it's a nice refresher and also a good education of like you know picking up new trends for 2021 of like how to drive traffic in so yeah and i think that um it kind of builds off the whole topic of like being in different streams and then understanding what everyone else is doing so how our agency is structured is that like daniel you're the seo specialist we've got brian the paid specialist all of us have our specializations but that's never to say that Daniel, you only know SEO or that anyone else's roles aren't impacted by it because all of these different services that we offer, they really like intertwine with each other. And like when we can do the most for our clients, it's when we can think of like how all of those services work together or impact each other. Like paid campaigns are not without consideration of how they involve your SEO or your social or your email campaigns. And for every client, like we're kind of always addressing like how they interlink with each other, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's it's crazy because SEO and Google Ads go go hand in hand. But you know, um, my it's it's interesting because the SEO and SEM uh, were were in the same uh, were one after another. Mm -hmm. So during there was I remember one morning it was just like SEO videos and I was like learning all about like these like metas and things and I'm like oh Dan uses that word a lot I think this one is important <laughs> and it's just it's just really nice to um, sort of just hear all these different things and really just uh, you know understand everything uh, at the 2021 level because I, I did my SEO fundamentals like yeah few years ago so it, you know things change so quickly when you're when you're not specializing in that field you can uh, almost fall back a little bit that's a big difference between like an agency and then like being in-house marketing somewhere right like when you're in-house you are a generalist and you basically know it all but like for us there's like a huge importance in going deep instead of broad so like having merino specifically knowing everything about email like today you merino you're like messaging me about like privacy policies and castle and all of that um and th like that depth has been really important so i think a, a conference to support all of that is is huge it's just like tons of reminders um okay so moving into some other things um i i wanted to just kind of know from like my own purposes what everyone thought of how the q a's worked 
because I think in like a real conference, I've sat in a lot of like talks where there's a panel, right? And there's like a, a bunch of people, they're sitting, you know, physically on stools next to each other. And when you do a Q&A, they actually go through and uh, answer everything. But I think the way that technology has allowed the Q&A to exist in this format was there was just like an ongoing forum. Anyone want to talk about that? Because <laughs> I thought it was so interesting. I went into one Q&A and I was like, I can't keep up. There was like a, a stream of questions and they're like, whichever ones get like the most likes or whatever, we'll answer them. And I was like, where are we answering them? Like it wasn't verbally. I think it was like in a chat. Anyone go into any Q&As? I was just say, I agree with you of trying to keep up. Like I felt like it was just like constant bombardment of like questions. And I was just trying to scroll and like keep up to see like, you know, the answers and also yeah. just to see what type of questions are people are asking as well. Right. Just to see, um, you know, if people have the same questions as me, but I was just like trying to keep up with the conversation was like really hard. So uh, I just went into different streams after not going to lie, just to like, you know, for like, you know, email or social, because like you said earlier, like how we intertwine with each other. Like I got excited of like, yeah. you know, new tactics. So I was like so excited to like start working on new tactics for our company, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. that, yeah. I'm glad you felt the same. Like I went into, I think the first couple, cause I was like, okay, let's see what the Q and A is like. And I was like, I don't know which ones are gonna get answered. And it just looked like trying to follow like a forum or a chat. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not quite the same experience. Yeah. it's it's. Uh, I'd say, yeah, the, the Q&A was definitely harder to follow if you really just wanted good answers. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I remember, like, I don't know, one of the last in-person conferences I did, yeah. uh, I was, like, so scared and nervous to put up my hand. Like, I had three questions I really wanted to ask, but I was, like, surrounded by, like, CEOs and stuff <laughs> like that. And I'm, like, an intern. I'm, like, I don't want to ask this question. Like, That's so I true. never... So, in the comment people were just going in and like replying like oh i have that question so from a community perspective it was really nice but right. uh yeah if you're just trying to get the answers it was tricky yeah i think you're right like it's it's a lot more accessible and it doesn't feel so intimidating it's just uh it, it was like a stream like the floodgates opened as soon as the q a opened and i was like huh <laughs> all right um so in terms of biggest takeaways from everyone, I'm kind of curious, like what did everyone find to be like their biggest, most important takeaway or like a big quote or something that they found to be like really interesting? Um, I was I was watching uh, one uh, one conversation about content optimization uh, and about the value of optimized content. Yeah. And they made a really interesting point about uh, about two different sorts of uh, video content or, or any sort of digital marketing content uh, online. And I thought it was really interesting to frame it in this context. They might sound like nothing, but I think they really hit the nail on the head of something that I've been trying to figure out for a while, mm -hmm. where I think we talk about short form content and long form content a lot. Um, yeah. But but what does that mean? Like, is it a timestamp? Is it like a, a number of minutes you need to achieve? Is it a number yeah. of points you need to talk about? Yeah. And they broke it down into lean back content and lean forward content. Hmm. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting approach to it. So as the as the name would suggest, lean back content is the type of content that you, you sit back and you watch almost like a TV show or a movie. So platforms like YouTube are great homes for this. It's content that you're listening, you're listening to the audio, you're following along, you're probably going to watch a large bulk of it. So people will be willing to sit down for, I think the number they gave was seven to 12 minutes, but it doesn't have to be a hard number. Um, you see YouTube videos that are half an hour to an hour that get millions of views and that like that just goes to show that it really isn't about a number. It's about framing it as content that people are willing to sit back and watch. Whereas lean forward content is content that you'll watch most likely on, on a phone where you're physically most likely leaning forward into it. You're going to be scrolling quickly. Yeah. You don't have that same attention span. And so as a result, you're looking at content that, again, you don't need to put a number onto it, but that is going to look like five, five seconds to four minutes of content because nobody's going to want to watch an hour long video on a phone. If people have that mentality of I'm leaning, leaning forward to watch this. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was an interesting way of reframing it. And it's definitely something I'm going to consider uh, in our future future videos, as opposed to thinking in terms of we'll have 
uh, a short version or a long version. It's thinking about content in terms of lean back and lean forward. And I think that connects a lot about um, a lot of the work that's, that Bowie is doing in taking clips out of, uh, out of existing content and creating new content um, for social. I think having that mindset in mind is, is really impactful. So I know that was a small part of the presentation, but I thought it was really, really powerful. Agree. I think that's a huge takeaway. Like um, we were trying to discuss recently, YouTube, YouTube shorts, like reels, TikToks, like all these different formats, because there's this pressure for all businesses to be on every channel. Bowie probably has a lot to say about that part too. Like just this, this pressure to be everywhere all at once. Um, but one of the ways we thought to split it up was content that's on places where people are typically listening with audio on versus audio off. And that's like even a different way of separating things than like lean back and forward because there are a lot of platforms where you're scrolling them and you just absolutely don't have the sound turned on because you're just like scrolling for the visuals or for reading. And um, like YouTube is like a sound on. TikTok is a sound on. Instagram is a sound off. Facebook, I don't know. It depends on if you're watching videos. So super interesting. Anyone else have any major takeaways? Uh, yeah, um, it's it's so interesting about the sound off and on thing. It's that's that's so true, and I found that super interesting as well. Um, with with regards to one of the videos that I watched, um, people uh, were in sort of uh, an information age. You know, people uh, when it comes to ads and products, people are a lot more skeptical than they used to be, yeah. uh, and so you know, there's all this, um, you know, this notion of trust and you want to be transparent with your ingredients and stuff like that. And um, with regards to, to advertising, um, case study type ads are starting to perform really well. You know, as a lot of us know, um, everyone loves a good unboxing video because they want to see what that experience is like. Yeah. Um, but more than ever, people want to be able to see how the product or service fits in their lifestyle. So the more the the more that you can make a product, you know, you position your product with your consumer in photos. You'll see it a lot on Instagram. People that look like the consumer will be like holding the phone or like holding whatever it is. So as you're on Instagram, you're like, oh, I could see that product like fitting into my life and like and you know, one, once you do that, that those ads perform way better than a lot of others. A bunch of videos said conversion rates increased by 30% and stuff. And I, I saw those numbers and was like, oh, yeah, definitely. I <laughs> love learning that. stats like that, where um, I remember there being like old ones for like Instagram way back when, where it was like, if there's a person in the photo, it gets like this many more likes or whatever. And I think the weird one on Pinterest was like, if it's a person, but their head is cut off, like you would get more likes because people could see themselves in it sort of thing like if it was product wise so like i i always find those like little bits of like psychology really interesting and i'm sure for ads it's like depending on your target audience it's different too any other big takeaways i'm interested to know uh for bowie or marino what you thought was a big learning for you for me i considered because of COVID and everything that changed after this pandemic, the changes in the, from the shopper behavior, everything that's changed yeah. in terms of the way how they are searching, they are looking for more information before yeah. proceed with the, purchase, the, purchase, the purchase itself and the way how they are thinking. Because if I have more information, probably chances are that I need more tangible information to make a decision. So the, the buyer now, it, they have a different level of information because if, if compared to before. So it's a completely different new environment that definitely affects us and impacts us as, as marketers. Yeah, it, it was only a year ago when everything kicked in and there were all the closures. And for all of our clients, we had to look at them individually and say, what, like, are they open? What's their messaging? How do we get it on their site right now? Do we need to email it out? Do we need to make signs for them? How do we get it on Google My Business? And I think like technology is trying to keep up with that even still, like the whole Google My Business has started to have like little updates so that it's like you can quickly tell if a place is open or not, takeout or not, where the menus and stuff are. And I think that's so important. 
Bowie, I think one of my what were your biggest takeaways? I think one of my bigger takeaways was that conversions lead conversations lead to conversions. Um, I think with a lot of the work we do, sometimes we get caught up in getting immediate results of actual conversions, whether it's an email or a purchase. But something that is always top of mind for me is that um, your audience might not convert right now, but by starting that conversation, by starting that relationship, you're beginning to build community that can convert later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like maybe a, a misconception by many business owners that um, getting on social means that suddenly you're going to have an audience that you're going to quickly make sales and it's going to close, where social should always be looked at as a community that you build. And then that that purchase, that that sale, that service that, that closes with you doesn't happen soon. Like it's it's just something that you can stay on their radar and be like, you know, in that realm of their awareness for a really long time. And I think even more so than SEO, it requires a bit of that patience, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Daniel, did you share your, your big takeaway? Uh, I feel like I shared it a couple times, but like uh, what I wanted to say, one thing that really stuck out to me, I think I mentioned to you too during Slack or on a call was yeah. uh, domain authority wasn't everything. And oh, like, yeah. you know, before we used to focus about, you know, DA, domain authority, and then just link building. But now they're really, like I, I said, like not too long ago, was like the user experience, um, how they are on our website, making sure our content is fresh and rich and very engaging. So uh, coming out with like quality content all the time. And also just that like, yeah, just um, reviewing user experiences and making sure the intent's there because search intent now with the new algorithm um, mm-hmm. is really important because they want Google wants to make sure that uh, what users search, they're getting actually the content they're looking for and not yeah. just some random thing that they're actually not looking for, right? So yeah. I think that was like my biggest takeaway because like in the past, it was all about just domain authority and building up that rep and like link building, link building. And I, I actually, uh, I'm happy the way uh, Google, you know, updated with their algorithm with that intent and making sure, um, you know, when people type in a keyword, they're actually getting what they're looking for. So um, I'd say that that's my biggest experience. I think like so often with SEO, it's like there's so many tactics involved. Like everyone that's like a beginner in it is going to look up some list that's like, okay, change your metas. Like this is how long a meta, this is how many characters, this is what your H1s have to be. This is like a keyword, use this tool. And there's so, so many tactics that they forget what Google's goal is, which is that when you ask it a question, like their ultimate goal is that that first spot is exactly what you're looking for. And so they're just trying to figure out like the most valuable thing. And if if you just stop and think about SEO that way, like that Google's intent is to try and give the user exactly what they want in that, then it just makes your job easier. You have to make valuable content to be in that spot, right? Which is also increasingly getting like, um, complicated for SEOs with voice search and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, voice search is something to keep in mind, but yeah, that's for sure. And also like awesome. tools, what, um, you know, experts use. So it's good to know that like the top tools that other experts use, like SEO experts or marketing experts, they use, yeah. like, I'm glad we use the same tools as them. So it's like, yes, like, yeah. Envision, we got it, you know? So, uh, just yeah. to learn, like also like their tactics using certain tools. I, I took that away as well of like how they use certain, like, you know, besides like bright local SEM rush and, you know, um, screaming frog, like how they use these and what they look for that I felt like that was a good refresher for myself of like, you know, just to see their different tactics. So, um, like I said, like I got excited, uh, took those takeaways. I really want to implement it with our own clients. Right. So, uh, that's another takeaway I took from it. So, yeah, I would say for myself answering my own questions, like, (laughs) um, some of the most valuable talks that I walked away from were ones that were a lot more high level about like agency and how, how an agency is run. Um, But bottom line to me was like making sure that you're always like delighting your clients and making them stay in the loop. So a a huge, huge part of our industry is education. 
And that being like um, one of the foundational, like our, our core values, it's, um, it's so important for us to constantly be learning, but then to not forget that our clients need to know that information as well. Like it's so important for us to pass that on. Um, anyone have takeaways that they want to pass on to our clients? Uh, I guess I can, uh, I can start. Uh, there were a couple of videos on this and this is a, a, a big point of conversation right now in the media buying space, but yeah. it's this uh, notion of moving towards a cookie-less future. So know. everyone knows about like, you know, Cambridge Analytica and like, is, did Facebook hear my conversation? Cause now I'm getting ads about it, like all that kind of stuff. So uh, historically we've used cookies uh, in browsers to basically send information from Facebook or Google to the website and then back. So if you make a purchase or if you add something to your cart and then, you know, you know, you get ads for a couple of days to just remind you to make that purchase. That's what we used to do. But now with iOS 14 and, you know, increased privacy considerations, which are very important, but as a marketer, you're like, shoot, uh, we're, we're, we're making the shift towards what's called uh, server side tracking. So, um, you know, with Facebook's conversion API, we're starting to get uh, super like into the, the code of the site. So basically Facebook can now interact with the server of the website and kind of like skirt under restrictions a little bit. So on a privacy side, you you have this like privacy battle versus analytics. And as a marketer, you're just like, I just want to know the ROI. So it's like a constant yeah. uh, mouse versus cat scenario. Um, but on the cat side, you know, we're making some strides against these iOS 14 rules. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I think that's a huge topic of conversation and um, very much so. We don't have all the answers yet. It's like we're just still waiting to find out and like staying ahead of it as much as possible so that, you know, nothing's detrimental to how we track things, how we report and like how, you know, our campaigns are going. Good takeaway. Um, Anyone else have things that they would love our clients to know about that we've learned? Kill no one? Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. There's so many learnings. Let's hear it, Dan. You're just hyping up so much to me. <laughs> no, just like if I if I could give some advice to some clients, if I could do that, that'd be yeah. great. Um if you are writing your own blogs, like, you know, pitch you know, if you're writing your own blogs, um, think about your clients first more than like, you know, your, your colleagues or, you know, other competitors or anyone in your field, like try to write towards your client. I would say like back to like the search intent and like coming up with rich content that would, um, you know, engage in your industry. And you think that the information that your, uh, your clients will need, right? Like shoppers would need. So like, I would say that if you are taking, um, blogs into your own hands and writing towards mm -hmm. your clients, I would obviously put, always think of clients first, just like how we do. So like we always think, uh, we try to put ourselves in our client's shoes or the industry shoes. And, uh, like, you know, I'm not a pool expert. I am not anything to do with like, um, you know, uh, <laughs> yoga pants and stuff like that. But, you know, I have to put myself in those shoes to understand more of the journey, understand more about the clients and the products. So uh, that, that's probably the only thing I, I would say to our clients. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think a great takeaway. Yeah, just to extend on what Daniel was saying, I think it's not limited to blogs. It's something on social that's really important because at the end of the day, too many people are thinking and speaking just to their own peers, but they're trying to solve things for their audience and give value to their audience. Otherwise, um, their page really loses prominence in that space. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think we come across this so often that when you start to speak towards your expertise, um, whatever it is your business is, whatever it is that you do, and um, you put yourself out there in content marketing, the tendency is to talk about what you know, and then you seem to attract just your peers and not your clients. Is that a problem? I wouldn't say like necessarily it is because I mean, in, in your expertise, Bowie, I'm always saying it doesn't matter if we've got like people who are interacting, there's followers and you have a community, a community matters more than that end Agreed. sale, but you might not want to be just attracting your peers when it comes to paid ads or with your SEO. So it, it, it kind of varies in that sense, right? 
Amazing. Um, I think on on the on the side of like peers and clients and content marketing, I think one big takeaway for me as like you know I spend more years in digital marketing is starting to learn that the more tools that there are out there and the more that we can automate things, the more important it is for us to actually have expertise and be humans and think like other humans. It's more like about relationships in the end than you know the tools and the monitoring, the reporting and the data. Anyone else have anything to input? There's I, another. Sorry, you go away. No, no, sorry, you, you first. <laughs> Um, there's another really great takeaway uh, that I really enjoyed, which is really thinking about how you frame your narrative and solving your audience's problems, right? If you think of it as either hero and a villain and like a guide, who are right. you in the story of your audience? Like you don't have to be the hero. Your audience might be the hero and you're just the support to help make those things happen, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that it was, it's such a interesting way to see how you are solving problems with whatever you're offering your audience. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of a mistake if you think of yourself as the brand, as the hero, because you do want to position somebody else there to say like, I'm going to help you and I'm going to guide you through. And I think that's a great mindset shift to have to stop, you know, centering yourself because often when it comes too much down to ego, I think like Dan has said this before, he was like, I don't care about about pages <laughs> and I was like I love about pages like I want to know what's going on but you can't make it too much about yourself and it's more like how you can benefit that audience that user that person that you're trying to sell to Marino you wanted to add something yeah she took the words from my mouth <laughs> <laughs> but actually same, it's about just to add just to add on the on the main side of the, the things yeah. uh, it, it's exactly like that uh, when you try to position yourself as the, the, the main point of reference, yeah. you are making a big mistake. Actually, you have to address the customer's problems. And then from that particular moment, they will start to pay attention to you. And then you frame your message addressing the solutions instead of your problems. Actually, your problem is not the end of the journey, but the median, the tool that we're using to promote the solution that your audience is looking for. It's all about how you frame the message in a way that you, in fact, are is addressing you are, are addressing the audience's problems instead of the problem the products that you offer. I think that's exactly the 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 problem that we're always faced with as marketers is finding or narrowing down that problem statement and saying what that solution is that we're presenting. Right? It's always problem solution, and that's like one of our values that we always talk about is that um, it's our core value that everyone's a creative. So as much as you say like we're we're marketers or like the design side is creative, we always say like we are all creatives because we're just solving problems constantly. <laughs> and even once we solve that main problem, there's always like something, uh, a roadblock or something that, that throws off, us off track that we have to reposition ourselves towards. Other takeaways from anyone? uh i'd like th there are there are honestly so many takeaways uh i wish more were like coming to my head right now but um i found some of the things that were most interesting were the things around like uh consumer behavior so i think we've, we've touched on it a lot already mm -hmm. uh but um you know there's when you bring psychology into the mix you know there's a lot of like minor tactical changes that you can make on your on your ads and like in your uh, narrative to just like help um, the reader sort of just understand your product or service better. Uh, and one thing that I thought was like really interesting, although it's like it's almost kind of sad, uh, um, it, ads that are easier to read and have like a, a lower like grade of literacy <laughs> outperform words or ads that try to like i don't know sound like exquisite like use words that you know you know are, are like a higher level of reading just from like a grade 10 level to like a grade 7 level it makes a big difference so but at the end of the day if you think about it from a psychology perspective when people are scrolling through instagram you know it's like the end of the day you don't want to be reading about like in-depth like 
details. You just you just want to be amused and entertained. So um, when ads are just you know they just get right to the point. It's like this is what this product does, and this is the problem that it is solving. Those are the ones that are going to be most successful. So sometimes it isn't just about like I don't know dumbing it down, but it's just like making it easier because there is so much content out there, and you don't want to add like another layer that. Uh, someone might say no to, you know what I mean? So, I think we're all in the business of um, the attention economy, I guess you would call it. Like it's um, what we're competing for is people's attention and it's not your ad versus another person's ad, right? It's your ad versus this hilarious cat video versus like these cool stunts versus somebody dancing versus whatever else they're browsing through. So it's not like, somebody's just like happening upon you know a series of ads all in a row it's not like a classifieds it's like interspersed amongst their content that they're trying to entertain themselves with yeah and no one can no who's going to compete with a kitten video or like <laughs> or like a dog playing with like bubbles like you can't I know. it's impossible we, we're even learning that ourselves we're like oh so people like our dogs more than they like us on social so oh, like, right. Yeah. Bowie, spit some uh, stats. Uh, <laughs> Ellie is more popular than me. Shoot. That's right. But even worse, I think, I think uh, with our level of attention, my level of attention, let's say as human, uh, overall speaking, I believe that every single year, year by year, we are investing, dedicating less time to pay attention on something. So consequently, it's a big challenge as well. Yeah, I can't remember if it was in this conference or maybe an article I read after, but um, it was the, the statement essentially was that, you know, there's a lot of stats out there that say we're our attention span is getting shorter and shorter. But essentially, the stat said that's not true. It's just where we're putting our attention is changing a lot because like I'm sure all of you have no problem watching a three hour movie and paying attention to it or, you know, watching a full series of uh, shows on a weekend. But it's just like where you want to put your attention. Anyone with anything to add about attention spans? Yeah, I think that really has to do with us wanting things that give us value. And that's something, at least on social, people really tend to forget that it isn't always about you you need to give more than you're taking. That's true. Like if you are trying to start growing, if you're starting a community, some the part of it that a lot of people forget is the engagement or actually going out there and talking to other people because we all feel like we have this platform, a sudden like a soapbox, a place that you can post, thing that's, post things that's dedicated to you, your business, et cetera. But if you're just shouting things out, like it's so transparent to your audience that you're just trying to make a sale, you're just trying to advertise yourself, and there's like no value that you're getting out of it. And that's like a follower gap situation, right? Like people seeing like, okay, it looks really polished. It's lots of like, you know, a well-matched branding type content. But if it doesn't bring any value, there's like no value in really following there. Yeah, even with uh, talking about attention span, even with content, like trying to find that balance for on-page content, like you don't want it too thin that you're not really educating or, um, you know, putting out like whatever the services are. And then you don't want it too long either, where it's like, you know, so much content below the fold, you're just constantly scrolling down because you don't want to overwhelm your users with, um, you know, what, what you're speaking about. Whereas like blogs, um, that's you can be a little bit more, you know, creative or funny or humorous or talk about, you know, a range of different topics, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just trying to find that balance all the time of like, okay, attention span, uh, what you want to talk about, and making sure you're getting the, you know, getting to the point, but yeah. at the same time, not too quickly, <laughs> right? Because right. you don't want just like two sentences. Yeah, there's the page, we're done. Uh, you know so what's yeah, like a good example of like this has gone too far. Recipes, like. Mm. <laughs> Oh where like it's like recipes are blogs technically right like there's always like a big long list of something but have you guys ever looked up a recipe and it's like it starts with like you know back when my grandma taught me how to make cookies like she would do this and there's like just like this huge essay about things 
in order to, I don't know, tell like a longer story, have like more depth of content. And you're just like, where's the recipe? Like I live for that jump to recipe button. Yeah. And then it's just like, in 1792 in like Tuscany, these chocolate chips were like, and you're like, I don't care about the history of chocolate chips. Like, tell me how to make my cookies. Yeah. And I feel like that's like the, the part that's like gone too far on the side of like adding tons of value and personality and everything where it's like a trope now that people just make fun of like long, long recipes. I know, it's, it's so funny, though, about that notion of, like, you know, attention span and, and you know, uh, like content length and, and the yeah. importance in different sectors. Um, site speed is so underrated. And uh, there was uh, one video that really talked about the importance of it. Um, some sites are just trying to put too much like video and they're not embedding it properly or, you know, they have the wrong server. Mm -hmm. um, if a lot like people, you know, in the LTE data times of today, people yeah. expect websites to load very fast. And if your site takes like four to five seconds per page, like they have, they're, they're already gone. Like they, they're bouncing quite literally, they're, the bounce rate is increasing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's a lot of, you know, it, when you go into Google Analytics and you, and you look at all the different percentages, uh, you know, it, it goes a long way to to look at all those different rates and, and the speeds and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, and Google, like those are all signals that Google takes into consideration as well. So I'm sure Dan speak for an hour about that kind of stuff, but <laughs> very, very important. Yeah, I would say that's like an often forgotten one about um you know, your site speed and your site performance. When clients ask us like, how long is my site going to last? Or like, when do I need a new one? There's like this time in around like the five, five to eight year mark where sites are slowing down, but it's not a result of like the original build or anything. It's that very often companies change so much. So they start to layer on more pages and more sections and more tools and more widgets that it just gets really unwieldy around that like five year mark. So, um, yeah, definitely. The performance is so often overlooked. Um, okay, so I think I want to conclude like very simply to give like a straight up answer from everyone. Adworld is already selling their tickets for next year. So we got a pitch to, you know, our company, like, do we want to go again? I want to hear from everyone. Would you go again? And why? I'll say I'm going to start it off this time. I'm going to go with uh, yes, because I hope that it's in person this time. Uh, so hopefully, you know, everyone's all vaccinated and this pandemic's over. And then just to meet, you know, uh, yeah, just to go in person and enjoy that type of experience yeah. um, that we all miss, as you can see, that we all talked about, right? Like besides the swag, the food, but also like to see your competitors, right? Like you <laughs> see their actual faces. You're like, oh, that's who they are too, right? Uh, but yeah, so like I would love, uh, I, I would go again. Because what I learned uh, online to learn that in person and to, yeah, the, I bet the question, like the questions, the FAQs and stuff like that would be different. So I would yeah. say yes. I can't wait to have lunch next year. <laughs> Who else? I would say yes too. It's always, always important to have a chance to learn something new yeah. and implement something that can help our clients and ourselves as well. Yeah. I think the variety in the content was just so great for every member of this team. Yep. Who else? Uh, I'll go next. I, I mean, of course, it, you know, they're from the the breadth of the topics and the speakers yeah. and, you know, everyone is like the CEO or like head product manager of, of all these big like Fortune 500 tech companies and yeah. um, the insights are amazing. You know, uh, one thing, you know, as, a, as an advertising agency with 30 plus clients, you know, we do have all these great insights that we can extract from different campaigns. And even though we are, we have clients in different industries and sectors, there are like, you know, insights that can be extrapolated and can apply to, to different sectors. Um, but from AdWorld con uh, conference, like uh, they have like multi-million dollar budgets and, you know, the campaigns are reaching like the world, like, one video is a guy from Lithuania who's got an agency in Europe, and then the next speaker is from uh, the States, uh, and then there's a speaker from Canada. So you get all these great insights and findings, and 
being able to put it all together in like a blog or, you know, just, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've got pages of notes and it's, it's yeah. also uh, applicable. Some of it is very tactical, but other, other forms of notes are more strategic. So it's great to have a bit of both. I think a big part of it being ad world and having so many international participants is that everything in digital is just making the world smaller. It's all very accessible. Who else? Michael, Mike, would you go there? Command D. I, 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 I'm no longer on me. I have solved the problem. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so from my perspective, I, I thought as far as they could have handled it being completely online, I think they did a really solid job. Um, I don't know how much better they could have put together an online conference like this that was so comprehensive, had so many great variety of speakers and really good quality conversations that were being had. Um, I, I Again, I would love to go in person, as Daniel said. Um, fingers crossed we can do that next year. But yeah, just so many valuable insights that were that were gained, and uh, and I thought it was really valuable uh, for the education for our team. And I think we have lots of insights that we're going to carry into our work for uh, from now on. I know, and they have replays since it was all digital for like the next. It's four weeks that they're available. So I know Michael, you said there's like even more that you want to watch. So absolutely, I think that part of it being digital has been like really valuable, being able to suggest to each other. I saw this one, you've got to watch it. Whereas like when we went to in-person ones in the past, it was like, I saw this one, wish you could have been there, sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, you missed it, you missed it. Yeah. And Bowie, what did you think? Yeah, I'm all game for it. Um, I think for me, it was the same reasons that Brian mentioned where you get so many experts from all over coming in to speak in depth about their experiences and their expertise and how they've been able to create success for their clients. Yeah. Um, instead of you having to invest dollars and invest your clients' dollars, you already have some data and some expertise to reference. And mm -hmm. that was really valuable to me. Amazing. Okay, so I think that's a perfect wrap up for us. Um, in conclusion, unanimous across the digital marketing team. Everyone says they would attend AdWorld Conference again. So if you watch this far, thank you for watching um, our discussion, discussion on AdWorld Conference. If you'd like to learn more about our digital marketing services, you can go to envision.co. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.